0: Two Scene Partners, Scene Partners podcast, starring Christoph Anopolis McDowells and Cody Hawker. You don't even go with Big Kahuna oh, sorry. and Big Cahooty Walker. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, that was really hard. I was like trying to think of all the weird ways that you could say something and. Everything resulted in me b- basically turning my name into a curse word.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a lot of wheels turning. I could see it it's all like, in your eyes. Don't do it. You're gonna make a mistake. <laughs> you look like that woman on the meme where like all the math problems are appearing in front of her face. Oh yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that's me. <laughs> Same hairdo and everything, and outfit. I'm wearing the. Ex- I'm actually that. That's who I am. I'm that woman. Yes. All yes and all night long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's where I. Oh, good because um. We have a pretty dense topic to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. We listen to this. Okay, so full disclosure, when people send me podcasts like Lexi sent us this podcast with Brene Brown and Angus Fletcher, and he's talking about his book, uh, mm. Wonderworks, and I was like, okay, Cody's going to listen to this, so maybe I need to listen to it, take a few footnotes, <laughs> and then we'll just kind of discuss it. And then, just then he's fill it. in the entire yeah, gap. right? I um, have listened to it twice because it's it was so, good. so freaking good, and immediately bought the book. But the thing, I did the exact same
0: thing. I mean, I w- which is wild. Like Lexi sent it to us. I listened to the podcast, and like I like Brene Brown, but she can kind of grade. It's not that I, I shouldn't say she grade grades my nerves. It's not yeah. that, and I'm sure that people who listen to us on the regular probably feel the same way. Where it's like, yes, okay. Because, you know, it's us having a conversation. we we'll probably, you know, talk in circles sometimes or have our own little tics or whatever it is. Um, but, like, with Brene Brown, I just feel like I get it, like, but everything can't be this important. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it, maybe it is, but, like, God, just give me a break. Yeah. Um. But this Angus, Angus Fletcher guy, I mean, I don't understand how I've made it this far into like the the theater world and, and Shakespeare and just all of the arts and never heard of Angus Fletcher before I mean this guy like did some an absolutely amazing amazing work I mean what's really cool is that he's actually a scientist and he starts from science like he looks at the arts from a scientist standpoint he talks about storytelling as being a uh, 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 data with a soul yeah it is I mean and it's just Interesting, like hearing a scientist talk about stuff yeah. like that, like referring to um, literary inventions or l- literary um, elements is as, as like inventions and technologies, yes. almost of like things that save people. It's just it is so cool. It's also really kind of validating in a way. The whole time I was like, yes, 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 <laughs> the whole time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it was just it, it was like this is why. This is why I came came back here. This is why I came to back to a small town to yes. do theater because these things are important and and it is it is worth it and it it does it has so many helpful things for the community. I mean, the whole time I was just freaking out about it. I just loved it.
1: Well, it's great because he approaches it and he talks about how it's therapeutic, how it heals us and grows us and builds us mm-hmm. and and how and I love that he talks about like how we exist with stories, right? And like how how stories are sort of like here for us in, in such a really cool way. And to know that he's a scientist and he's approaching this from such a psychological standpoint of like, Hey, I want to make sure that we understand the healing power of storytelling.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll say as like, because I'm, I haven't finished the book by any means. And this is definitely probably something that like, it's just strange, you know, where you find like a book or a text that you read some of and you immediately know, like, oh, I'm going to come back and reference parts of this book throughout the rest of probably my life. Yes. Or my career in the arts. Like, I'm going to use this as a reference point. And it's not going to be something that... I, I mean, I don't know how he has it all in his brain. I I would not be able to fit all of this in my <laughs> right. brain. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he starts in the book. The, the like, introduction is... <laughs> I started the introduction and halfway through, I was like, is this an introduction? Like what, where am I? Like what is happening in this book right now? It's just so intense. I mean, it starts. Welcome to the the deep end. Yeah. I mean, it starts at the beginning of time Mm -hmm. with the first recorded story ever that I had never even heard of, which was like, I, I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. And you know, I just always thought that it was, um, uh, what's called gilgamesh whatever oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and but it, but it's not and I, I can barely even talk about it. it's actually out of uh africa i think is where one of the it anyway it, it, it's like a very small little piece and it's like chiseled on something that they've been able to put together mm. but um I'll, i'm interested for you to get through some of that stuff but i mean it's cool that he starts in the beginning of the book with the the greeks and i really enjoyed you know his storytelling aspect of like the greeks invented storytelling to help make their their lives less bad
1: yes which was and- really really amazing I want to eventually arrive at that point, but I want us to like do a little more for me type of thing to get there so that we can build upon that. Because I knew immediately that you wanted to jump into that.
0: Well, of course, I always want to go like straight into the meat. But I
1: do want to double back on something uh, because I believe he said to the effect of uh, the healing power of books will always be there for us.
0: Yeah, they never go away. It's so awesome.
1: You know, always being able to reference this book or to go back and read it because I've got books that I I read once a year Mm -hmm. and I just thought, oh, my God. Dude, you're like literally yeah. spelling out my life to me. And I love that. And it was just so cool. But the first thing I wanted to jump into was they talked about, um, you know, distance from stories, like how in school we're taught to sort of analyze books and stories and things like that. And I remember being in school having to read Shakespeare and never finding a love for it until. I was in a show. Yeah, I hated until I, I was immersed in the story in and like school. it's only powerful when we are immersed and I was curious to know what you thought about that voluntary versus involuntary like forcing kids to read yeah. plays and Shakespeare and things like that in school. Well, in my
0: in my experience as far as Shakespeare is concerned, the like forcing forcing kids to do anything is not going to be you're they're not going to develop a love for anything. That yeah. Way you have to find a different way in and to be honest like forcing kids to do something like that is lazy teaching mm-hmm. and it's just like this is the curriculum it's laid out this is what you have to do and we're going to take a test like yeah. that's just not it's not creative teaching it's not creative storytelling i mean when i think about like the way that i am in the classroom i feel like i probably am, am much like i am as an actor i look at it as storytelling and inviting the kids into the story and then letting them become a part of it and learn, you know, the story as we're going. Yeah. So that then it can also become a story that they can tell. I mean, that's what learning is. Mm-hmm. So when I think about like Shakespeare and my experience as far as teaching it, I I have never been able to get a, get kids interested in it as an academic, like from the academic side of things. Yeah. Those lessons are very difficult. So what I find is, you know. In in school, they're like, hey, Shakespeare wrote an I at pentameter. It's, it's in, you know, it's five stressed, five unstressed syllables. And it makes a perfect 10 and yada, yada, yada. And this is what it looks like. And this is what these things mean. And it's like, no, you have to explain to the kids exactly why that is. Yeah. Give them examples and then be able to show them application of it so that they understand the reasoning behind it mm-hmm. instead of just like, oh, OK, here's just another like poetry thing. And so whenever you actually look at it from a choice of Shakespeare wrote this for an an actor, not for somebody to sit down in a library and read this by themselves. That's not really why he wrote it. He wrote it to be experienced, much like the Iliad was written to be experienced. It was written to be I mean, it was actually sung. You know, it was not really written down until way, way later. Yeah. But it was written to be experienced by people and it became their story as well to tell but like Shakespeare is the same way mm-hmm. it was written so that people would go in there and have this experience. And so whenever you show people like, this is why these stresses are this way, because it gives the actor the ability to make this choice. If you stress this line and you change some of the little bit of the line, then you can, you know, have the, like the trokies and the Coriams and yeah. like these other like <laughs> weird things you don't necessarily want to get into. But I mean, you, you start making these, these, um, Teaching the kids these things and then saying like, all right, in these lines, what would you do and why would the character make this choice in the poetry and why would it be important? And then it gives them license to be like, all right, well, this is what's going on. This is what I'm feeling about this character. So this is what he would be feeling. Yeah. You know, like last year at school, the eighth graders were talking about Hamlet. And it was just so interesting because I really enjoyed just going in there and dropping in in the English class because... I found that, you know, no matter what, an English teacher is going to teach this like it is a book. Yeah. But you have to get the kids immersed in it for their own lives. I mean, Hamlet has all of these questions and so many things are going on. I mean, like Ophelia has so many, so many commonalities with, you know, got to be like girls of of in eighth grade. I mean, that was about how old she was. She was like 13 or 14 and all of her life was being decided for her and being able to explain that to the kids and then have them look at it and be like this, she's not going crazy. She, she's a victim of her circumstance Mm -hmm. and then letting them arrive at those conclusions and be like, wait, okay. So she is a little bit more like it is more calculated and it's not that she's just gone mad and people have to deal with it. It's that people have created her to be this way because of social construct. Anyway, yeah. going like way off. No, No, but I do,
1: I do because you're kind of hitting on something that is that, That Angus really talks about in the podcast is that you know author intention sort of goes out the window once you hand art over to its audience, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's so great because it's here for us in that way, right? And you know, being being able to experience and and looking at it from the academic standpoint sort of removes so many of those things where it's like, no, 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 this is meant to. To help you grow and to, yeah. to heal you and to learn and, and well, all these things. Well, Shakespeare is
0: emotionally driven. Yes, all of the choices are emotional, very. I mean, or or calculated in some way. You know, I mean, it's it's because it's all the human experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shakespeare was the first director, they say, because he wrote in a way that directed the actors, like showed the director the the actors their intentions. By just being like, "Here's where this comma's going," I'm going to put a semicolon over here. This is the way I'm stressing certain words. These are important. This is important. This is probably something you need to highlight because it's coming back later. And all of that is in the text. Yeah, and it's crazy. And if you don't necessarily know to look for that, you miss it. Yeah, because you don't know the construct that he's you know the or the formula necessarily. So I just think, you know, if we start teaching Shakespeare in the way that we let kids be a part of it, like understanding that the situations that all of these characters are going in in any Shakespeare that they read is going to be their situation yeah Midsummer Night's Dream is the easiest because they all basically are living Midsummer Night's Dream every day (laughs) yeah you know I'm in love with you you're not in love with me but you're in love with her and we're in love with each other and she doesn't like you anymore but I still like you but you don't like me anymore and I don't like you either Mm -hmm. like it's just like (laughs) insane oh and my dad doesn't like you we're gonna run away. No, we're not. yes we are.
1: And what are those weird performing kids doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and but, the weird theater kids over there.
1: but I also really um, you were kind of touching on uh, Shakespeare talk his writing and and things like that and they talk about like how art uh, exists like as a double action mm-hmm. and the first is when the artist sort of approaches it in writing honestly yeah and earnestly like from their heart and then having the the courage to basically just write it down and then two, the respect for the audience Mm -hmm. that, that they're sort of delivering this, this story towards. And like, as a director, have you ever thought of that? Like, am I, am I, am I bringing this to the right audience? Is this the right place? Or even like maybe as an actor, like I don't really want to do this because (laughs) this is not the right audience for, I mean, yeah, I think about that all the
0: time as a director or, I mostly think about that on the production side of things, like as a producer mm-hmm. being, okay, so this is not like, we're not going to do this here. <laughs> <laughs> like this is not gonna, this would not go over well in yeah. our community. Like I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. I mean, there is a, there's a, a show that I really want to do that. I I keep going back and forth on. I mean, like last year we did that staged reading of red, Mm-hmm. By John Logan, and I would love to do that as a full play, but in order for me to have the confidence to be like, oh, we could actually produce this, I had to do a stage reading of something like that first. Mm -hmm. Because shows like that aren't done in our community. No. I mean, they're that deal with real life situations that deal with real life language and... You know, it, it's just, it's a lot. And it's a lot to think, will people show up for it? I mean, I was excited that people did show up for our show and that it was successful in that way. But I I had to, like, take that step in order to build that, to get the confidence yeah. from our audience. <laughs> but I would never have just been like, all right, we're producing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. We're going we're gonna to put all this money into it. We're, we're going all in. Like, that is terrifying. As a director, um, I mean, I've... I don't know if I can speak to it as a director of being like, well, I don't know if we should do this show, like that. I was hired to direct the yeah, show yeah, yeah. necessarily, but as an actor, I can say like doing shows and touring them into certain places and thinking, oh, these people really need to sh- see this, yeah, because they clearly need to be taught something. Like they're gonna be able to to gather or. Um, maybe it's not the right thing to say these people clearly need to be taught something i feel like that's yeah, putting yeah, yeah. myself on a pedestal above other people it's not what i mean it's more like these people
1: are are um maybe oh this God. this message is important to this community it's
0: important to the community it's this is something that that needs to be said or done to help them move forward mm-hmm. and have a conversation and will help foster change i mean that's kind of the biggest the biggest deal i i don't know if i've I don't know if I've ever been afraid to perform something as an actor. Um, Like if I've been in front of an audience and been like, Ooh, I mean, I think the only thing that I've ever thought like, Oh my gosh, okay, here we go. We're going to do this is, is Mockingbird. And that was, um, that was really just how is this going to be accepted? that (laughs) That was mostly towards the, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I just—I think I finally just now almost took a breath and calmed down. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been like talking. There was a real miles. energy shift there. It was like nine. I was because I just I, I I realized that I needed to I needed to like take a step back. I was like Jesus Lord, I'm going like a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I just I, that one I was I was a little afraid in a way that I didn't think that I would be just because we got pushback in strange areas or, or in areas that I wasn't expecting. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, are we not supposed to be doing this show? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know. And so like when we were going out there like to do the school show, I was nervous about how kids would respond to it because of the way that people were reacting. Whereas I'm thinking this is of course the best possible thing to do for this age range yeah and this is something that they need to see but so many people are like oh no i can't believe you're doing you know yada 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 and then we did it and have the kids respond in such a positive way and i was like oh of course this is why we did it i was right i should have like trusted my instinct Mm -hmm. on this and not let you know whatever that outside stuff is yeah, you I mean, got all those think external
1: that, voices trying to tell you, no, 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 no. Well, but yeah, And it's the like perfect validation was the first person that asked a question was, are, are you planning on tackling other yeah, incredibly other. hard subjects to tackle?
0: Yeah. I mean, and that that is true. Like, are you going to continue to do these things? It's like, well, I, yes, but also we do need to make money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there will be some other shows in there. But yeah, I mean, this is why this is why we do theater. This is the whole point. But it's just, I think that people are afraid. I think people are afraid of storytelling because it does have the power mm-hmm. to change things. And there are certain people that just don't want things to change. They like the way that they things are. I mean, people are so hesitant to change, especially in small communities.
1: So the crazy thing is, um, I'm reading this book called Think Again by Adam Grant, and it talks about like having to change the way you think. Like be Be willing to throw away everything that you think you know be willing to burn it to the ground so that you can find a new way to think and mm-hmm. sort of ba- basically prove that you believe what you believe. Yeah. And he uses this example early on in the book about how these firefighters um, out in California are fighting these wildfires and many of them were burned alive, still holding their equipment, running up the hill. And it's like, like
0: they never stopped.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost as if we look at that from an outsider's perspective. Why didn't they just throw their gear down? They could have ran faster up the hill. Mm-hmm. But you're not thinking like that, and right. you have to be willing to, to to drop everything and to think your way out of a situation. A lot of times, and people hold on so staunchly to their ideas and ideals that they're not willing to disprove them to see if they even can prove them.
0: Right, they're running up the hill and they don't even have a fire extinguisher.
1: Yeah. They they, <laughs> they have, have, the have no, no chainsaws equipment. or yeah, they got the wrong equipment running up the hill, <laughs> but they're
0: still running. Yeah. Because they started running. I yeah, that is very interesting and you know and even in the uh, Angus Fletcher book, he talks about this about how like humans are like really the only species that has evolved in a way that that will kind of collectively help each other out. Yeah and so like i can wage a war and you're my friend so that war is now your war mm-hmm. even though you might die like you'll die because you want to help me yeah and that is that is like something because he's like talking about athens and the persian war mhm um and so it that was just very very interesting that i just really I thought that that was kind of interesting. I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, you know, lions or whatever, they'll they'll run away. They might make a fierce show of like trying to protect themselves, but mostly animals are really only ever trying to protect themselves and yes. get away from danger. <laughs> it's a survival instinct. But we're like, okay, we have created this danger over here and we're going to run towards it as a group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And it's just... That that is just very interesting, like that we've and I don't know if that's just conscience, consciousness or or what it is. I I don't know. But I do think that is that is interesting. Like all these firefighters are like, this is what it needs to be done for the greater good. Mm -hmm. I think that's the the thing, like in the animal kingdom, you don't see very much like a lion's not going to sacrifice himself. So the whole herd can get away.
1: Yeah. Or pride Pride. or whatever it is.
0: So, you know, I mean, it's they're going to they're going to get away. Yeah. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah, good luck. This is survival (laughs) of the fittest, you know. And we're like, no, 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 greater good. And so many things have been done for the greater good that are not. You know, that's kind of the other Mm -hmm. thing. So maybe it's a two-edged sword with humanity. It's like, no, we're doing this for the greater good. But also,
1: we can use that to our advantage to do some pretty damn bad things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um. You know, he has all of these different things, and in the podcast, because I don't have my book yet. It's still coming in. I think you're listening to the audiobook, correct? I am
0: listening to the, yeah, I, I am impatient. So yeah. I got the Audible um, on my Audible subscription. He's my star. He's it. <laughs> and I've been listening to it, and I will say, like, listening to it, you know, like, doing audiobooks is just a whole other thing. It's just very hard. Yes. And listening to the guy that's doing it is doing a good job. And I know he's doing a good job. I just wish he was doing it interestingly. Yeah. <laughs> and right now, he's like the clear eyes guy. You know, I'm just like oh, Ben Stein. He's yeah. like Ben Stein. He's like, and in the here's where this is. And I'm pronouncing these words where you can understand me. And yet I have no feeling about anything. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, just so like getting through some of that is kind of dense. And that's the other thing. Like, listening to it i'm getting it but it's it's like you know what i probably would go back and reread this chapter again mm-hmm. so that i would better understand like so i could get a grasp and sit with it and think because you almost want to sit and think when you mm-hmm. read some of this stuff and in an audiobook you're just like whoa we're already yeah. through it okay we're already through it i'm moving on to the next thing and it's so dense i mean it's a very intellectual book i'm not gonna hide that fact it's yeah very very intellectual Um, well, I knew
1: when I listened to the podcast the second time and started taking like pages and pages of notes from Mm -hmm. what he was saying, I was like, yeah, I got to get the actual physical copy.
0: Yeah, you have to, so that you can like write and think, I mean, it's, it's its own class Mm -hmm. when, when I think about it. I mean, I would love for, for like all of us, like I know Lexi's really into it. She wants to, she, she's the one who discovered it um but she wants to read it also like we all just need to like how dare read it grow us i know how <laughs> dare she um but then i also kind of want like our other friends who are in the arts yeah to read it but i'm interested because i was thinking about that like thinking and feeling the same way we do and and the change thing like what you were just saying like having some people that aren't necessarily in the arts or whatever read it and then talk about it and hear their response mm, to it because. Yeah. I'm going to listen to this and feel immediate validation and be like <laughs> yes thank god confirmation someone's- bias someone's yes <laughs> thank god someone said it because yeah. I needed a pick me up and this helps me This gives me this gives me something to say when people are like you're wasting your life <laughs> yeah right It'd Be mean, like, actually, Angus Fletcher says on page
1: thirty-two <laughs> that uh, I'm doing this for you, and I'm curing your PTSD. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but one of the things in the podcast that they talked about uh, was that Jane, Jane Austen creates like what they call like a flutter effect, where like you can love characters that are different from you. Yeah, and then I just immediately identified with like many of the characters that I was that I've had the privilege to play. Oh yeah. And I thought that that was so cool and interesting. It's like, yeah, I can watch people on stage play these truly despicable characters Mm -hmm. and then also think, wow, like I hated them enough and thought, what a great performance. Well, and
0: it's like you read because you're also reading it. You you're experiencing it in a different way. You're experiencing it with this distance. Yeah. And. You you can you then like it's like giving someone else advice. You mm-hmm. know, I can always give someone amazing advice that I would never follow <laughs> because <laughs> yes. I'm experiencing it and it's different when I'm doing it. But you you should do this. Mm-hmm. I would never because I'm not that rational when it's my own emotions. But like when you see somebody else going through it, it's just almost like it's clearer, which is why it helps us. I think the arts help us because we're like, oh, this is how you negotiate the situation. Yeah. Um. But also, they they talk about, in the book, the power of, like, I. And so, you're reading things, and it's all in this, you know, I went to this, and then I experienced this, and this is what I did. And and you're reading that, and it's almost like you are thinking the thoughts of this other person. Yeah. Like, their subconscious is now yours. It's a very... (laughs) It's really trippy. It's a really and I never even thought about it before, like all the books that I've read. I'm like, man, it's true. Like you're reading this person's thoughts like that's Mm -hmm. what it is. And and you're hearing it in your head as if they are saying it. Yeah. And it's almost like you're tricking your brain into thinking like, oh, yeah, now I, I identify with this person because I've also experienced this. Yes. Even though it was them
1: experiencing it. It's it's interesting to have like that reflection, like, oh, look, I am also human and you have these similar flaws to me or these virtues even. And it's just so cool to have that shown back at us and and validate us in some ways and to help us in others.
0: Yeah. To navigate through life. But it's I don't know. I just I never really I never really thought about that before. I mean, it's kind of like how today I had the thought the same sun that is outside is the same sun that every person in history has ever felt or looked at, you know? Yes. And it's like, that's wild. <laughs> Does that give you an existential crisis? Kind of. It's kind of like, <laughs> God, Alexander the Great's <laughs> over there like conquering everything. Yes. Turning it into
1: like Greece or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And he's feeling the same rays. Like, that's wild. Well, speaking of Greece, let's dive right into that. Because I knew that was going to be the bulk of what we were going to basically discuss. Mm. And you kind of touched on it earlier about how like they developed the Greek tragedies as a way to help these soldiers and other people deal with their PTSD. and Even though they didn't have a term for it or know what that was at the time. And Angus kind of talks about these, um, like I I know him, Angus Fletcher, talks about... um, Gussie. Yeah, oh, Gussie. Gussie Fletch. He talks about how <laughs> um, these uh, there's two types of PTSD, and type one is where like your brakes are loose and you experience all these emotions all the time, and you like you don't know how to stop your anxiety and and all of those um, sort of like things that you've experienced. And then type two is where your brakes are so strong because you've been under chronic abuse. Mm-hmm. And then for me personally, I was like, oh. Oh, I didn't need to hear that. Don't stop that. But you like. It's like, man, my emergency break is on. Like, yes. <laughs> But it's like you're you're always downplaying every emotion. And it makes you uh, uh, have a hard time feeling even happiness yeah. or joy, much less depression or sadness. And it's so cool that the Greeks made first off that they even made it free. And it was like, hey, look, we're going to buy your ticket so that you see this well, so that we can heal like, the community. Yeah.
0: the Well, and what what you're saying there is that the government, like the government of Athens, mm-hmm. even though we say it was a democracy, but in all honesty, <laughs> no. it was not a democracy no. because of what you had to have. I mean, like I, I teach about uh, I, t- I teach a, a whole segment about uh, Athens, like uh, democracy in Athens and. You know, just the fact that you had to own a certain amount of land, you had to be born there, and you had to be a man in order to be a part of this democracy. So that like none of those things are necessarily good. Yeah. But on the whole, it started it started us down the right path to see like, oh, okay, these are things like you take bits and pieces and you rearrange. But anyway, um, but yes, they they decided or they noticed hey, the, the arts, like seeing theater, is good for our people. Mm-hmm. They are happier. There's less violence. They get more things done when they see these things. So we need to do that for them. Mm-hmm. So instead of them having to go and you know buy their own theater tickets, it's free. The government pays. Yeah. How amazing is that? I mean, how amazing is that? That's amazing. That would be so cool. I mean, I've done a lot of free theater. <laughs> 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 I've done a lot of free theater. <laughs> yes, but there, you know, and I've I've talked about before in the past, uh, and it, sadly, it it doesn't exist in Chicago anymore. But there used to be the public. Th- uh, oh my god, it was called the Public Theater, right? Jesus, now I don't even know. It was called Public. Is it? Was it? Oh God. It's been too long. <laughs> anyway, they were a free theater company. Like, all the tickets were free. And you walked in and they handed you a beer. So free beer and a, th- and a show. That's why you went. And it was so good, though. I mean, but they put on so many good works. And they used classic works that they would retool and adapt. And this brilliant guy who's absolutely crazy and so much fun, Matt Foss, who's now the, like, chair or something at Idaho University and is really into Russian theater and making puppets. But he um, he would, like, adapt these shows for them, and they would do it for free, and they looked... They were super legit, and, I mean, they always sold out. They were mm-hmm. only 40 seats in the house, but they always sold out. It was just so cool. I mean, they did donations, but just, I mean, even in places like that where you see the need for it. I mean, the public theater in New York um, does Shakespeare in, in the park, in Central Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they have, they, that that is free. You just have to get there for the tickets in time, which is really awesome. I mean, there are still, we do have places that do free theater mm-hmm. that is subsidized in some sort of way through grants, but it is very few and far between. Yeah. And most of the time, really terrible. The public theater does like super legit stuff, though. I mean, they're like yeah. crazy. good. That's where Hamilton came from. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of things came out of the public, but yeah, they do a Shakespeare every year. I saw the guy from, um, uh, Oh gosh, it he's the, Oh, he's so good. I can't think of his name. He was in, uh, Julius Caesar. It's a bald guy. Um, I think he's in house of cards and he played Brutus and there were so many other like huge big name actors that were in the show. It's just so cool that they can get these people to do this free Shakespeare.
1: Yeah, well, I, it just goes to show you that people who are passionate about it are willing to yeah show do up.
0: It. I'm not trying to take control of this. This is your your show. I don't even know what's on the no, board. No, no,
1: no. I'm just I'm here to ask you questions about this. Oh, you're facilitating. That's right. Um, An open forum discussion. But me. I
0: really love I love the like you know the Greeks' experience when you think about their everyday life of what they were going through. I mean, the amount of violence and the amount of death <laughs> yes. that they had to have seen. I mean. You think about back then, if you would have, they they could have got a cut outside working in the farm, and they had died.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's like, bye. What happened to him? Splinter. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. was insane. What's a splinter? You don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, it's just wild, like the 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 stuff that that they would have seen, and the amount of like you know they talked about, um, uh, like the the amount of like children that would have also have died. At mm-hmm. that time I mean it's just the there was a lot of heartache and so you think about post-traumatic stress dealing with that all of the time and being in that survival part of your brain yeah constantly I mean that's like abuse victims mm-hmm. they talk about that they like don't want to leave it almost because they're so used to staying in that like yeah um I don't know what the, what that actually is well the- they
1: sort of break the, with the abuse victims have have sort of trapped themselves into this place where they think well, there is nothing better than this. Like, what if it? What if it's worse, almost, like a lot of times? And, yeah. and so you, you get stuck in the cycle all the time, and, and it's hard, and, and people don't understand unless they are in it. And again, the outside perspective, you can mm-hmm. give yourself advice all the time, but it's so much harder to take it when you're in the midst of the tornado, basically.
0: Well, yeah, and you're spending this whole time in the survival instinct, and so the minute that anything gets calm, you get, like, anxious mm-hmm. because... All of a sudden, you're not like getting those, you know, whatever those juices yeah. flowing through your brain. It's just like, no, you got to be going. You got to be
1: going. You got to mm-hmm. be going. You're you're like paying attention. Which is why most people that have experienced some sort of trauma develop OCD a lot of times. Yeah. And tics and things like that.
0: Mm. It's, just, it's just really, really cool. And I appreciate that even so far, so far in our past with the Greeks that they made theater free and available mm-hmm. to everyone so that they could, you know, have this form of therapy. And when you think about it, it, it really was just they treated it like it was therapy. Yeah. Like, here you go. Go and do this and try to heal yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> so that our society can can move on. Well,
1: it was important for them to have their communities thrive. Yeah. Um, where, you know, today we live very isolated lives from one another
0: yes and also like we we don't have so much a focus anymore i don't think on the broader community no matter how much people may say i mean the i think the american experience is very much like it's mine i'm going to take it yeah for me not for the good of my community Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do this for me i'm building myself up i'm pulling myself up by the bootstraps and i'm gonna pour as much money into as many bank accounts as i can but they're all going to have my name on it and they're staying with me and that's how i'm going to stay rich for the rest of my life
1: how much money do you make
0: i make very little <laughs>
1: okay i was like how many banks are <laughs> you
0: pouring your money into none but it is interesting hearing conversations of other people that are, they're like oh yeah you know i've had to spread my funds through these different banks because at, i didn't know this but apparently you can max out how much money you can have in certain banks. I'm like, there's a max. (laughs) It's like, I know there's a max that you can take out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know there was a max that you could put in. No, now they just call those overdraft fees. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) i've never experienced
0: the adverse i've never experienced the other side of that but apparently other people have so Uh, they've got to like spread their funds it's just wild i don't even but also
1: too you think back then like there weren't we couldn't just drive down the road and say oh well this basket weaver is out of this basket let me go down to the other it's like everybody had their jobs and roles and things like that and so we need these people to be healthy to and to thrive yeah so that so that our whole community can grow
0: well and that was what their democracy you know was based off of in athens it was all of the people right mm-hmm. that it wasn't just one person succeeding it was we all succeed mm-hmm. which was how they won the persian war the yeah. first time you know i mean that that was what it was all about they all fought they all were in it together for and they fought so hard too because they felt you know that they were fighting for their democracy for their country everybody yeah. felt this ownership over it later on they realized that wasn't necessarily true <laughs> yeah but i mean that was why they fought so hard it's just it, it's just kind of it's kind of cool
1: i wonder how different our you know different communities like even in america like sort of like we have this town that we're in now, Marksville, but then we have like the city of Alexandria sort of up the way. I wonder how different it would be if we sort of took that same mentality of let's make sure everyone is okay.
0: Well, I mean, I think that some people do, but I would, I do wonder what it would be like if everyone did. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've been super exhausted lately um, because I feel like, all the things that we are doing not for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I'm and it. And it's, it can be so tiring whenever you, you do like, I mean, you, when you serve on boards in your community and you're like doing all these things, you, you're like, I'm on this board, I'm on this board and I'm trying to like build things up and try to make things happen for the good of our community and build free events and, you know, put on shows and have things for the kids in our community to do in the arts and, and it's like every once in a while, you just get really worn down because there isn't enough yeah. of people that are also doing that with you. You know, it's just kinda like after a while, it does kind of feel like the weight of the world on your shoulders. So I I feel like that if something doesn't necessarily change, I mean, eventually, like I, I've been thinking about this, like how long how long do, could I hold out? yeah. <laughs> You know, like how long could I feasibly go before I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't live this particular
1: lifestyle. So do you think that a lot of it has to do with many people saying, oh, well, Cody will handle it or Cody will do this or Cody will take care of that? Well, I mean, I don't
0: know if necessarily if it's, I mean, maybe, maybe it's like, oh, well, you know, this is like, he does this, Mm -hmm. you know, or they do this. Um, So we're not going to. Like, no, no, we want you to also do this with us. Yes. We will share the load and then it's not as heavy, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And I mean, the thing is, is that I do, even though I might have to remind myself all the time or more than I I should, that I really do love this and it's, I'm doing like, I I don't want to do anything else. There are times where I'm like, man, I am tired. Yeah. I'm just kind of like. I won't take a break, not have responsibilities, you know, but I'm sure everybody has that feeling about everything that, that they do. I don't, I'm not trying to say that I feel special in any sort of way. Like I'm, you know, running up the hill with well, the fire's blazing and I've got the tools I'm not burning alive. You know, it's not what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. I think it is. Everybody sort of experiences that, but then at least, at least with art, the ends justify the means. And what I mean yeah. is like the pain that that you experience to get there, like all the frustration, all the, uh, the, the sort of unmet expectations, if you will, that you have in rehearsals and, and things like that at the very end when you have those cast members or those kids even come up to you and they're like, Mr. Cody, this was such a great experience. I love every second of it. It was mm-hmm. so good. I want to come back and do this. And you have that sort of to rest in and you're like, wow. Yeah, that's okay. whenever you
0: forget all of the yeah. stuff you went through. <laughs> you're yeah. like, I love this. I'm doing oh. this again. What what wildfire behind me? <laughs> what? <laughs> I have thought so many times with some of these kids that I'm like, God, I just I I love them so much. And when they get older, they owe me a drink. <laughs> 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 and I'm gonna be for for real telling them that. Be like, look, you know I you may
1: not know how you were as a kid. (laughs) But I remember, I'm going to, I'm going to remember. So I do have um, pretty much one last question here for you. Um, Has there ever been a story that you have either participated in or watched or seen or um, had some sort of agency over in any kind of facet where you thought that is so phenomenal I don't ever want to like read it, experience it, watch it, see it again.
0: Ooh, ooh. Yes. Is the answer to the question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think It's the only time I've ever gotten a straight yes from you. Yes. Is the, I know. Yes. Is the answer. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, definitely. I, I feel that way about, uh, I feel that way about Pericles, which is a very lesser known Shakespeare play It wasn't just written by him, but that kind of was a a very like special circumstance in play for me. Mm -hmm. And I was getting to uh, assistant direct it with, with David Bell at Chicago shakes. And it just, the whole situation was just so awesome. And the actors that I met that I'm still friends with today that are just so amazing. And the story like the play itself is honestly garbage for the first two acts and it's very <laughs> obvious that like shakespeare didn't write that yeah. part i mean I, I i can't actually remember at this point i'm so removed from it i can't remember who co-wrote it with shakespeare but you can definitely tell act 3 shakespeare starts i mean i remember reading it whenever david was like hey this is what we're working on i read it it took me an hour i mean this is when i'm like working on shakespeare constantly i'm doing the plays i'm directing them i'm in classes all the time. I mean, I could read a Shakespeare play and understand it very quickly just because you're so used to it. You're mm-hmm. moving through stuff. You you know, it took me about an hour and 45 minutes for the first two acts. And, um, and I had to reread a lot. And I was like, what is the deal? Act three happened. And I buzzed through act three and four in like 30 minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh. And in that moment, I got it. I was like, now I you it's so
1: obvious the different writers, but anyway, well, it was just like, what's the history of that? Is that, um, they, someone else was hired to write this story and then he stepped in to finish it. Yeah.
0: So, so like somebody's writing the play, they basically share the profit. So they're, they're going to write a play for a theater. Okay. So, um, say like the Rose theater wants this play, like, all right, we're going to write this play. Um, but, I only have time to write two acts of it, so can you write the other half and i'll I'll split it half, okay, you know, kind of a thing um so that that was kind of how stuff like that would have happened or somebody would have written some of it gotten fired, and it would have been handed off to be finished somewhere else.
1: See that's more of what I'm familiar with like yeah. in today's society that's a lot of what happens like a, a lot of what films
0: happens. and it's like, oh, there's twelve writers on this film. it's, it's also so, you know like uh, Pericles written by Shakespeare at the time would have gotten a lot more tickets sold. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so it, stuff like that can kind of, can, could kind of happen. Um, also there's like some strangeness of some of his plays, like certain parts of it have survived that were his, but maybe the part that they thought was his, that they saved wasn't. And it was somebody Uh, else's like, a recreation of something that he had written and so then you kind of like what's going on um but it just the whole experience of that and being able to work with that theater that I've been trying to get to and to be in that capacity was just really really awesome and also to it it kind of taught me in that moment not just you know so much about the way that I direct is based off of that experience. The way that I approach stories and storytelling, and in such a great way, even whenever the script isn't necessarily there, and then finding the story within the story yeah. that you need to tell. Um, but it it just like it it taught me it taught me the power of storytelling. I don't know how else to to yeah describe it. And the the like importance of building relationships with your actors and then championing their success Mm -hmm. and realizing even though it's not, you know, your name or your the applause that people are people aren't applauding you at the end of the show, but you were a part of it and you helped these people get there in some sort of way. And like your stamp on it is just as important. I mean, it's that that guy who works at Pixar for 20 years and says that he's tallied up the grand number of minutes that he has actually put forth in Pixar films in those 20 years. And it's 45 minutes. Mm. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. And he's excited about it. He's like 45 minutes. That's wild. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. (laughs) My family came and saw like, they were they were talking about, uh, I was watching this thing about Pixar, and this guy was like, yeah, I did, I did this one scene in Seoul where they're walking. I was really perfected the art of walking. I'm super excited about it. And he's like, my family came in, they're like, what did you do? And I was like, yeah, I was walking down the sidewalk. Like, that there was like that minute in there, it was all me. <laughs>
1: and they're like, what? <laughs>
0: I mean, it's kind of like that. Like, you're, you're looking at it, and you're remembering those moments through the play, and I think this was the first for me with Pericles where I was watching it and I remembered having an outside conversation with one of the actors where we were just talking and part of the play got brought up and we just started kind of like having a dialogue about this moment and something clicked for that performer. And then I saw that moment on stage every mm-hmm. night and realized, hey, without me, this would not have it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't yeah. have landed. And even though he's getting the success from that, like how awesome is that? Yeah. That I was able to be a part of this in this way. It's just so cool. So mm-hmm. like I kind of never need to do that show ever again. And if I did, I probably would just try to copycat that, that experience and it would not, yeah. it wouldn't work. No. Yeah. And I mean, as far as like storyline for that play, not really great. I mean, it's not <laughs> a great storyline. Yeah. There's some horrible stuff that happens in it. It's really just, it's like, an event. I don't know how else to expri- explain it other than it's an adventure play. It is a Shakespeare play that was written to be an adventure, and it's about this guy that goes on an adventure, and it's it's terrible. very
1: unlike him.
0: It, yeah, most I mean, of his it, stuff's very campy. It's not. It's just not. It's it's just not what it's. Mm-hmm. I, I'm good with not doing it again, and I don't <laughs> think that I could ever do. I don't think I could ever do it as well as what it was done yeah and so i i'm definitely okay with leaving that one on the floor And just being like that is done not revisiting it i'm not going to change that experience Mm. but you know i feel like that way with any show that i've read that i've done more than once with different group i mean when we did christmas carol and i had done this version of christmas carol actually with david and this amazing company of actors and it's like, you know, I don't know if I ever need to do this show again because I actually found the joy in Christmas Carol and then we did it again and it you know, it taught me new lessons and I didn't think I necessarily wanted to do that show again and I was yeah. like, man, like looking at it from this perspective with you know, the new company was just it was amazing and I felt like I learned a whole new batch and like what would happen if we did it again? I mean, like how many different things can you learn from one piece of literature? But the longer you sit with something, the more you learn. I mean, just like when you're performing or you're directing, if the longer you perform something, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's a good play, you learn something new every performance, oh, yeah. every day. I mean, and you know that. Like, if we're, if I'm doing Hamlet for the next two years, I'm gonna learn something new about Hamlet for the next two years, and mm-hmm. I know that because I'm sitting with it. I'm changing just as well as the text is changing, even though the words are the same.
1: Yeah. So it's just there is something really cool about when you've read a script countless times, and then all of a sudden this one line clicks, yeah, and the rest of it just all falls together in a puzzle piece. Where it's like, oh my god, this is building to this, and this is why this, and it's like, oh, holy crap! Yeah, it's
0: the beginning of Othello for me when Iago has the line about the fact that it's just one line, and so and I've re- I love that play, and I've read it a hundred times and I never heard it before. Mm -hmm. And And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my God, it changes the entire play. It's not Othello. That's the jealous one. It's Iago. Iago thinks that Othello has slept with his wife. Yeah. And it's completely false. It's his jealousy. And it's like that drives him mad and his anger issues and like his problem. And he creates this firestorm of horribleness But if you miss that one line, you don't know. Yeah, And it just, that to me is really interesting. Like I really want to direct a production of that now where like I try super hard to highlight the fact that, that no, no, it's Iago. I mean, I saw a production of it one time where they had Iago come out and it was him and his wife. And he's basically like forcing his wife to go to Desdemona's chamber and try to like, you know, tell secrets and make all these things happen Mm -hmm. and she's kind of confused about why that is but he they made iago like very abusive to her Mm. and she seemed kind of like shocked by the fact that he was so violent towards her and i was like oh man that's that's a very interesting choice but I also had missed the line in the beginning. And I feel like if I would have heard that line yeah. and it would have been highlighted or a little bit more clear, I'd have been like, whoa, this is
1: Do you think so that much. in doing so in that way gives away too much?
0: You mean the violence? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I it didn't seem like gratuitous or didn't okay. work. Okay, all right. It, I didn't know if maybe you, you would go more for the subtle of the Well see, what I'm thinking is that it it was it's just too subtle that that's what it was they were trying to show the difference of this is Iago with his wife in front of people but they were trying to show us that like in private Iago is creating the situation and he is super angry with his wife but I don't know why because I missed that ah. first line. Yeah so you have to emphasize that so it it was since I missed the beginning or whatever but it just it's just so so wild i mean just how like one little thing and i've read that play so many times and i never i never seen it before yeah but, but again the same way it about, exists
1: to uh always be mm-hmm. there for us
0: i mean it's the same way with hamlet i mean i've I, but hamlet was one of those things that you can read because it's so intellectual and mm-hmm. and it is one of those things that you read as your life goes on and it's so much about you know What happens at the end? Why do we go on? Is it worth it? All these Mm -hmm. other kind of like, you know, very deep dark questions that some of us ask ourselves, you know, whenever we're in, in like a bad moment and you're, or just, you know, living life. And as you move forward in life and you learn more perspective or you gather, you know, more of who you are as a person. And then you read that and you're like, man, this now feels different. It sits different. I now understand more. I've experienced more yeah you have to think Hamlet's doing all that at the age of like 17 but I just you know I I feel this way about uh, about my friend Susan's play Wasteland that I really want to do in our community and it actually is a lot like those Greek plays you know I feel like whether we want to admit it or not we all have our trauma you know you kind of spoke about that earlier and like I think that for a very long time, I was like, no, I've not had, like, I'm good. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm solid. Like I've, I'm like, sure. Bad things happen to everybody. I feel like I've said that all the time. It's like, bad things happen to everybody. You just have to get over it and move on with your life. <laughs> and where I think some of that does ring true. Like you can't, like, I don't feel like that you can, you should, or that, or at least for me, I don't want anything that's happened to me to to be so intense that it cripples me that I can't move forward. And so I feel that, like, through theater, I've probably used theater more as, like, therapy than anything. Oh, yeah. And that's what, when I'm listening to to Angus Fletcher's book, I'm like, you know what, maybe maybe this has been my form of, of dealing with, you know, stuff that's happened for me in the past, you know, like, where I've had you know, my, my trauma, like this is where, this is where I've dealt with the trauma. This is why outside of a play necessarily, like, like I, I am an emotional person sometimes, you know, but in reality, like I'm feel like I can be pretty closed off as far as, what I'm actually feeling and then what I actually show. Yeah. You know, like I I think that a lot of acting probably goes on in my life that I don't actually necessarily mean (laughs) to do, you know. But as far as like the moments where there is reality or like we're doing something and we're passionate about it and like I uh, like really feel it or I'm really into it and then I break down and that wall falls down and that's when I get emotional. Yeah. It's like, oh, crap. (laughs)
1: <laughs> See, I know for me personally, like going through everything uh, back in like 2013 when um, sort of the the end of that one relationship and then the loss of my grandmother and other friendships and all of this thing, um, these things were happening to me. I know that I leaned very heavily into – I was watching movies and TV shows and yeah. I just like got so passionate about theater in those years since. And I, listening to this, is, I was like, oh my gosh, I used – storytelling Mm -hmm. as my healing process and my coping mechanism to be able to escape reality and, and not really escape reality, but to, to find a way to heal myself
0: to the other side. Yeah.
1: Through, with these characters that I was able to play Mm -hmm. and all these stories that I was able to watch and find all of these, uh, virtues and think like, no, it's not the end. It's not the end of the story and it's never going to be the end of the story. And, feeling now and I'd spoken to you about this maybe like a couple of months ago about like I don't think that that is my story anymore yeah like that's not who I am and it hasn't been for a long time but I've had that sort of be like the linchpin of my identity for so long it's hard to change and it can't be that anymore right because you have to and set those things on fire sometimes and run away from it from the test yeah Yeah. and 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 I just I just having this sort of confirm that you know how whether you're reading whether you're um watching tv or 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 a film or something like that just having those things like impact you in such a way that you feel so changed afterwards is so amazing to me
0: well and being able to facilitate that for other people Mm -hmm. is truly like yeah
1: having us have the agency for it is so cool
0: i mean it's just it is it is a really like that that's why i feel like sometimes the the load is heavy because Mm -hmm. it's like i want to be able to facilitate these things for people i want to be able to bring this to other people and and it's just it's not good enough to do something that's mediocre when you have that responsibility and so that's why to kill a
1: mockingbird almost killed us yeah (laughs) well that's (laughs) one of those things where it's like when you learn something you're then responsible for that knowledge yeah. And it that's why it's so important and so impactful for us to have to have that correct and yeah. have that right for the audience that we're bringing it to.
0: You know, I think that we're in a very good a good place right now with our community moving forward and I hope that, you know, I hope that there is that there is more um focus on on the arts moving forward, but I just know that that's yeah. that's a pipe dream in a yeah. sense, you know. And that's just going to be the way that it is. Um, but you know, maybe someday, maybe someday it will be. And you know, the communities that I've been in my life where there has been a huge like push for the arts and that the entire community is back to them. It wasn't always that way. Yeah. And it, it takes some time Mm -hmm. and it took people also, you know, moving back. I had (laughs) a very, very like demoralizing conversation with a youth with a Ute <laughs> where it was like, you know, I can't believe anybody would ever, you know, I, I'd sent you a message about like waste their life doing this, like waste their life teaching or waste, yeah. you know, and, and move back to the town that they grew up in. I'm like, well, you know, it's hard to see it. I mean, I probably would have also felt the same at, their, at that age, you know, mm-hmm. as a young person. I mean, I would have never in my wildest dreams thought that I would have been here even six years ago yeah <laughs> so it's it is kind of crazy how things change but and yet I am crazy more fulfilled where we are and what we're doing is way more impactful than anything I've ever done in my entire life yeah so I mean it takes a lot of guts to be able to do something like that and I I don't know I, I think that in the future I hope that people don't just flock to big cities for the arts Mm -hmm. and that they actually go to smaller communities and help grow the arts in those communities. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, not everybody has to be up for a Tony. (laughs) Right. You think about it, like you think about New York or Chicago or LA, the amount of people that just want to produce things and act and all they do is work other jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And they never succeed. And the like drought in the rest of the United States. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you would just literally move anywhere. Set aside your pride. If you would move anywhere, you could do nothing but act. Yeah. But it is that I have to be successful thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what success is because this is what I was told it was. And this is what is a quantifiable success To people in my family and that's understood by the world as far as acting in the industry that's not an embarrassment it's like you just you just have to let that go I mean if we had thriving arts communities in all of our communities around the world I mean what would the world be like
1: happier yeah (laughs) probably (laughs) so I do want to kind of like end with this uh, there's a quote from the book um, and it says literature's own special power has always lain in fiction that wonder that we construct is the invention that unbreaks the heart and brings us into hope, peace and love. Literature is there to do these wonderful things for us and never to judge. And that is so amazing because it's not just, I wouldn't say that maybe what he's specifically talking about is literature, but I think it's storytelling in general. Yeah. And that we can see ourselves in these characters that we play or in other characters that other people are playing and and have that power of storytelling like you said facilitate mm. these changes in us in our communities and i think that that's awesome well it's that thing
0: if if you need somebody to talk to there's always a book there yes. that will help you <laughs> you know digest or whatever it is those feelings and figure out you know what it all
1: means it's, it's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we'll be talking about Wonderworks a lot going forward. I know,
0: because I'll actually make it further into the book, too. Yeah. And you will actually, you know, get yeah. it in there. But, I mean, really, it is a strange thing to promote. I feel like we promote other people's co- podcast quite a bit. But this Brene Brown podcast with Angus Fletcher, you should listen to it, even if you're not in the arts. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the arts and you've made it this far into our podcast... I congratulations don't know what you're doing here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks.
1: And <laughs> tell your friends <laughs> like share, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple podcast. Uh, it's so awesome. Hopefully hey, a positive um, review.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully a positive review. Um, so how are you enjoying tuna Christmas rehearsal right before we leave? You oh. wanted to end on that quote and it was really beautiful.
1: Okay. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's um, very hard for me to keep a straight face, and I'm really glad you're doing these things now and not at a performance. And not at a performance. <laughs> I know.
0: Some of it I'm kind of like, ah, I wish I would have just not done this until it
1: surprised you. Honestly, for me, the joy that I get out of, like, coming, returning back to this town and seeing these characters again is really watching you make all of the different choices that you're making. Oh, yeah. And it is really difficult for me to keep it together because it's just like watching... You, because you you basically sit in this one character for a long time, yeah. And you sat in that same character for a long time in the first show, mm-hmm. and watching you make all of those similar choices and and one of the really hard things for me is some of my one note characters in the previous show now are bigger, are huge and more yeah. fleshed out, and it's like, well, I need to break out of that thing that I had the last time mm-hmm. and find a new way in, and you know, do the Adam Grant thing and, and there's think again, like
0: a familiarity. Which is nice. Mm -hmm. Just going back and being like, oh, I remember what theater was like before the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Back when we were in Tuna. Well, I'm really excited about it. And it's been fun because yesterday we had our first rehearsal in an actual like, kind of rehearsal space. Yes. Which was pretty cool.
1: And it was awesome. Which was pretty cool.
0: So I'm excited about that. Well, exciting things moving forward, and I'm excited about Wonderworks, and I also really enjoyed the format of this podcast, and I'm all about it moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Where I just ask you questions, and you just get to... And I'll just luxurious. sit here and enjoy myself, <laughs> and hopefully not next time I won't just like jump in 90 miles an hour. I got you, man. I can't wait to listen to the beginning of this podcast again and just be like, did I I say all
1: those words. Did you take a breath? (laughs) (laughs) There was a moment where I was like,
0: my face is getting red and I'm still speaking (laughs) because I want to finish this in it. It's ridiculous.
1: (sighs) Well, everyone, that is Cody. And that was
0: Christoph Adopolis.
1: What? What? Anyway. (laughs) Just raised your eyebrows. I was like, did I? (laughs) Having a nervous tick. Okay.
0: Sorry. Sorry.